Welcome back to another episode of the Pandemic Job Hunt. This podcast aims to break down key techniques and to uncover the industry secrets to help you stand out in getting a job during this once-in-a-lifetime pandemic we are living in. And I am your host, Andrew Barry. I actually found my next guest, Aleph, when I was casually scrolling through my LinkedIn feed. I saw one of his posts, it had a lot of likes, it discussed how to make a better LinkedIn bio. I was really intrigued, so I opened his post, saw he had great, actionable tips, I clicked on his profile, and it turns out he had a lot to say about job hunting and working on your personal brand. Aleph is a digital marketer by heart, however, he had a number of side gigs helping folks on their job hunt from resume writing to LinkedIn optimization to coaching. He also had a stint in HR, so he really knows his stuff. I reached out to Aleph. We found a time and recorded a fantastic conversation that I'm excited to present to you all today. We discussed everything from his story to job hunting, using LinkedIn, content creating, and practical advice. Stay tuned. Hey, Aleph. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing great. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time. Uh, let's start you, with uh, a little bit about who you are. Uh, what have you been up to lately? Yeah, for sure. Um, to tell you guys a quick blurb about my story and who I am. Basically, I went to York University and I studied psychology because I didn't know what, I, what the heck I wanted to do with my life. So I was like, okay, let's do psychology. And then studied four years into it. And then in second semester, fourth year, I realized holy crap, I don't want to do psychology anymore. I don't know what I want to do. So I'm panicking and everything. And then for some reason, I went. I thought I wanted to get into HR because it was just corporate and everything. Uh, so I decided to do a year certificate in HR. And then through the certificate, I was too busy with, you know, hanging out with friends and uh, getting involved in student clubs and everything. So I actually ended up failing that certificate. But because during that time, I worked at one of the best business schools in Ontario at Schulich School of Business, specifically in the Career Development Center. Because I worked there, I, I learned a lot of job hunting strategies and networking strategies and all these next level business students use to get big jobs at the Deloitte's and KPMG's of the world. So I, I learned a lot of those strategies. And basically while I was doing the certificate, I decided to execute on these networking strategies, which we'll probably get into. But Using those network strategies, I was able to get my first job in HR, even though I technically failed that certificate. Uh, and it was then I realized, ah, oh, as long as I know my way around things, can have a conversation with someone and have a decent set of skill sets, I can get a job. Uh, and then I realized one year later into that job, I actually didn't want to do HR anymore either. So at that point, I'm just like, uh, freaking out. What do I want to do with my life? Oh my gosh. And so I decided uh, marketing is where I wanted to go because I had a side hustle and I love the marketing aspect of the side hustle. So I decided to like, you know, take a big jump, very scary jump. I just quit my job and I'm like, you know what? I will just get a job in digital marketing somehow and I'll figure it out. And again, using a lot of job hunting strategies uh, that I've learned through my time in working at recruiting in the HR space and uh, the career coaches and even through my side hustles where I was teaching job hunting strategies, I decided to implement them. And within about a couple of weeks, I was able to get my first marketing full-time role at a company called Canary Box Marketing. And from there, I worked in a couple of other digital marketing agencies. And now I'm working as an in-house marketer where I am actually doing my passion this time, which is marketing. So I've had a number of like 
switches, figuring out what, what, what I want to do with my life. And even without the qualifications and fantasy, fantasy certifications, I was yet able to still land my previous roles. Wow. So let's just, let's just uh, go back a little bit. So you were in psychology at York University. Then after your first year, you decided that this is not for me. So you took a break in your degree or yeah, so, you uh, like, took it like an HR certificate on the side on top of your degree? Uh, yeah, so by the second semester, fourth year, when I was about to graduate, okay. I realized then, okay, okay, I actually don't like psychology, but then after mm. that, I decided to do a year certificate, so it was a full-time mm-hmm. uh, certification at your Part of your for okay. HR, yeah. yeah. And, you, and during that certificate, you were also working in the career services? Uh, yeah, at, okay. like, you know how you have a university as a career? I know, yeah. Yeah, I was there, yeah. Okay, so there you got your first taste of HR, and from there, after working, actually working HR, you didn't really like it. And but you learned a lot in that process of actually looking for a job with your skills that you've now entered in marketing. But then now it seems like you're using those experiences and skills to really help others try to land a job in whatever field they want to land. Or are you looking or are you specifically helping those getting uh, a job in marketing? Yeah. So right now what I'm doing is I had, I had a number of side hustles. So like career coaching, um, online courses, coaching programs, uh, virtual seminars, things of that nature, resume writing services. And as a way to get technically leads for the businesses, I had to put out content. So, uh, I started putting on content, hey, how to get jobs, how how I hack the job on a strategy, how do you uh, navigate career fairs and everything. And what's interesting is a lot of my friends started picking it up and, and they kept seeing me as like the expert figure. I guess that's what happens when you put out content. And they kept reaching out to me with questions. And, I, and I'd be like, yeah, for sure. And I'd jump on a call with them, help them out. Or some of them would just enroll into any or one of my programs and everything. And mm-hmm. through that, uh, I became weirdly known as the job hunting guy. <laughs> Interesting. So content marketing for your own personal brand. I love that. <laughs> so, so you're, you're a job hunting guy. Uh, this is all, this is your side hustle or you, you also have to do a full-time marketing role right now. Yeah. So I'm working full-time in a marketing role. I'm a okay. payment expert. No, I'm, I'm a marketing specialist at a payroll software company, full-time nine to five. And on the side, I do like content and side hustles and hobbies to keep me busy. Um, mm-hmm. I just know a lot about job hunting from my experience and the success my students have experienced mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So let's go to job hunting specifically. Um, do you think uh, the job hunting landscape and the techniques and strategies in job hunting changed since the pandemic uh, first came? Yeah, I've definitely changed. I mean, a lot of the things I used to teach is like how to attend job fairs and navigate job fairs and go to networking events and like, you know, go and go meet a stranger for an in-person coffee chat. So all those strategies I teach aren't going to be applicable yeah. right now in this circumstance. So I've always had to like pivot those strategies instead of meeting in person, mm-hmm. uh, do a Zoom call kind of like, kind of like this mm-hmm. or Virtual instead coffees. of to a career fair go to a webinar and then send out your linkedin url in the chats you know Mm -hmm. so different ways to navigate it so it definitely changed a lot yeah yeah i definitely noticed for myself uh like the beginning of the pandemic um i had to learn a bunch of new strategies in terms of actually putting myself out there because i'm very comfortable in general just meeting people in real life uh going to these conferences and like kind of like network you network with people in person uh i guess because in real life, you have that full dimensionality versus like when you're across the video, it's like one dimension is reduced. It's a bit harder to connect sometimes, even authentically. Um, 
totally is and then there's like a weird lag and it's just, lag. it's, it's yeah. different when you're in person you like you know you hold someone's shoulder by accident or like you yeah. have good laugh and like hey handshake yeah. and like humans need that like exactly person touch and stimulation instead mm-hmm. of like a virtual webcam kind of like this or yeah. you know? it took me it took me at least a couple of months to like kind of warm myself into you know meeting people through zoom and actually be a little more comfortable and and try to you know always get more energy. So like for example, every time I jump on a Zoom call, always or at least like an important one, I I always get like a like a, a sip of coffee or brew myself a cup of coffee just to boost myself up. Yeah. Um, and and the other day, sorry, sorry to drop, but uh, for sure, I went to I saw my friend the other day, and mm-hmm. it's been a while since I've seen people in person. So I go up to him, I'm like are you sure you're not a hologram? Like, is this not, this is reality, right? Like you're a real person. And then yeah. he's like, yeah, are you real too? And I'm like, Dude, <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Like I, yeah. I genuinely forgot how to talk to people. So I was like, oh, okay. Um, how are you? <laughs> like, it's just true. awkward, huh? Yeah. It's these days. Like I, I, I do keep a small bubble of friends that I hang out with. Uh, but I remember like, just like peak quarantine to when like Ontario went to like stage two and then, uh, stage three um it was uh it was a process just like get getting myself out there interacting with other people even still even now like when i go out i'm like a little bit like weary like as a stranger i shouldn't be too close with them and stuff like that it's totally uh, weird and it's really it's, awkward it's it's a new world but i'm very comfortable now talking to people behind the screen <laughs> 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 or like you know putting um content out on linkedin or like doing this podcast like connecting with people um mm-hmm. so let's jump into like uh job hunting you say like you use linkedin mainly in terms of like putting content out there and you have some really good actionable insights um where did you learn all that besides obviously your role do you have other resources that you go to to help you boost your say linkedin pres- presence uh what did i learn linkedin content strategy is that what you're saying Link- okay let's start with linkedin content strategy and like you putting yourself out there where did you first uh, pick up those skills? And yeah, is there sure. other uh, resources that you utilize to help you hone those, that skills? Yeah, it's interesting. Actually, I was, in, I was invited for another interview kind of like this a couple of days back. And they asked me, like, Yo, are you not afraid to post on LinkedIn? Like, it's such a weird platform. Like, there's professionals there and career. Like, it, it's, not, it's not like an Instagram or, or like a TikTok or something, right? And I'm like, no, I just kind of do it. And he's like, what's your, what's your secret? And I'm just like... I just do it, you know. Um, yeah. I guess the way I learned it is, I one thing I realized about myself is that I'm a, a, I'm a marketer, like by blood, like it's what I think all the time, and uh, you know, part of that is content. Like, okay, what can I post today? What can I do this today? How do I write this heading on his LinkedIn post so it captures attention and then leads into a call to action? And it just always kind of goes through my mind. And so, you know, I remember making my first post when I was about like. 21 or something mm-hmm. on LinkedIn. Uh, there's a lot of imposter syndrome. Like, who am I sure. career advice as a 21-year-old? And I actually mm-hmm. remember the first person I asked for advice on be- starting a career coaching mm-hmm. business, the first thing they told me it was, hey, man, um, you're actually kind of young. Who would listen to you? And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, like that actually hit me. And yeah. I started getting, like, you know, hope- hopeless. And it would mm-hmm. make me sad for a bit. Then I started getting resentful. And I'm like, screw that guy uh so i started to go a little harder on linkedin i started posting seeing what works and everything and i started really understanding the algorithm i even took a a linkedin thought leadership course from a influencer and i learned more about the algorithm and everything and i just kept posting and posting posting and uh because of my consistency i've been able to grow an audience on linkedin um but yeah it's just kind of fun for me 
I find LinkedIn, the LinkedIn algorithm is quite powerful in general. Cause like not only like your post goes to your network, but when your network likes it, that post goes quite quickly into their own little network versus like Instagram or say Twitter or um, Facebook. LinkedIn is quite powerful in that way. I think another yeah. platform that's very powerful is like TikTok, but I don't really use TikTok for like professional reasons. Yeah, no. I don't use either. Oh, I was going to say, do you use uh, Twitter? Uh, that's the other, other platform I personally use to like really uh, get information, get knowledge and try to connect with like the thinkfluencers in whatever field I'm interested in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to speak about LinkedIn algorithm and then yeah. talk about Twitter, but uh, yeah. So LinkedIn algorithm is wild because the it, the organic reach is wild. It's like the yeah. first stages of Facebook, first year of Facebook or something. Um, I remember I made a post this week and I'm like, guys, in literally a week, I got more than sixty k views on my posts, and uh, you know, I wouldn't be able to do this on Instagram or Facebook or any or YouTube or that matter, right? Uh, so in terms of organic reach, LinkedIn is sort of where it's at. But yeah, Twitter. Uh, my friends tell me. If you want to be smart, you go on Twitter. Follow smart people on Twitter and watch mm. their tweets and read their tweets, and you'll be smart. For me, I use Twitter barely, generally for work. You know, I have to post on Twitter and think mm-hmm. about pictures, understand hashtags and whatnot. But it's yeah. not a, my predominant platform that I generally use. Okay, okay, uh, fair enough. That's a good analysis of that. Uh, like, I agree. Like, Twitter is a good place to like kind of consume knowledge from like smart people, and LinkedIn is a good place to like kind of post your content because like you said the organic reaches is, is quite uh, quite strong on mm-hmm. on linkedin so how what would you say is some good advice for someone who is a job seeker right now in this pandemic uh they're looking into you know an x field uh what could they do to their linkedin to like i say optimize their presence or optimize i guess their expert um expertise in whatever field for example this idea of like perceived expert, like I'm into the data science field. I post a lot of like data science related content, not just on LinkedIn, but on uh, like a, a data science specific blog. And that's a method where I signal my expertise in data science. Um, what would you say for someone who's a job seeker, how to use LinkedIn wisely, not just by connecting with people, but like Content. Yeah, yeah. Content wise. Okay, so if they're gonna if they're asking for advice on how to use LinkedIn, I'm assuming they're pretty beginner. So generally yeah. when people come up to me uh, and they're barely on LinkedIn, I notice a couple things. First, they feel like a little intimidating because the platform is all about, you know, like hiring managers and recruiters and all this stuff. It's not like a chill Facebook kind of thing. Uh, and second, they always say, uh, I don't know what to post or what like why or like how I don't even know how to use it, right? Or just how to build it. And for those people, um, I can go extensively on this, but I want to give you a couple of points that your audience can use. But first thing I would say is uh, when it comes to posting on LinkedIn, it doesn't need to be that serious, meaning um, it doesn't need to be like a world-class encyclopedia of like a, that just makes you look so good. In fact, uh, posts that are generally like that gets the least amount of engagement on LinkedIn. But honestly, it can be something simple. For example, let's say you're a student right now um, and you took a class in psychology and you really liked how your professor taught something and they use a really cool analogy. You know, what you might want to do is just share that on LinkedIn. Or maybe, you know, if you took notes in class, share that on LinkedIn. Or let's say you are listening to this podcast right now. You might want to be like, oh, listen to this podcast that Andrew hosts and I learned a lot about things. Here are the five key points I learned. And that's it, right? Um, it doesn't always need to be that serious. And what the what what will happen is as soon as you start 
taking it small steps at a time, you'll start noticing people will like and comment and it'll give you feel a sense of like encouragement to keep going at it more and more and more. Um, but for those just starting off, I would say just start there. I, I personally treat my LinkedIn as a, I call a public diary of mine, like a, like a public mm-hmm. diary where I kind of journal highs and lows and learning opportunities mm-hmm. throughout my day and I post them on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say just start there for now. So I've noticed on LinkedIn, um, there's a, probably a few types of LinkedIn posts. One is something you post often is like these posts regarding to like knowledge bites, like top five insights. You open it, you can read some actual practical tips. There's another post in terms of uh, another type of post where people actually post something emotional or something vulnerable. But say, I know I recently, I've noticed this recently, like a lot of people post about their struggles job hunting during this pandemic oh i've been applying to hundreds of jobs and facing rejection but it's also like these moments of vulnerability and another one uh could be just like something related some content related to um, their opinion on whatever field they're in uh what would you say is a good balance between those types of content because i know for you you're you, a part of a big part of your business is creating this content so it drives uh, viewers to your business but for someone who is a job seeker you know, I'm not trying to like build a business. I'm trying to connect as many people reach to like, like get hiring managers to look at me. What's the good balance in terms of that? Yeah, for sure. So a while back when I was job hunting, I decided to do this interesting experiment where every day I would post content on social media, documenting my job hunting journey on LinkedIn and on Instagram. And basically, you know, if I attended a job fair, this is before COVID, I mean, if I attended a job fair and I maybe like bumped into someone and I was like, what the heck? So rude. But then I'm like, oh, well, he was just busy and stressed. Oh, it made me think of this. Okay. Uh, Any reflections I had, I would post it on social media. Um, And you know, I would tell everyone, hey, guys, I'm going to be documenting my job hunting process. And I think it's a cool experience for me. And what's interesting is that as I kept sharing my experiences, whether it's like, you know, I'm editing cover letter or I'll post a picture of me like after an interview. And I'm like, oh, OK, so they asked me this, this question this is how I answered this, is what I would do differently. What I noticed is that people started reaching out to me and they're like, hey, do you need a referral? Hey, this is opening here. Do you, do you need this? I can help you here. And a lot of people kept reaching out to me. And I, I realized the reason why they reached out to you is first obviously i'm going very public with my job hunting uh but also i'm helping myself Uh, i feel like people help others who help themselves and they can see my momentum going and it feels like they're part of the journey and because of that they're reaching out to me being like hey uh i can get a line your referral here i can do you here i can do this here for you uh so for job seekers out there if you're posting content and you don't always be an expert figure. Yes, the LinkedIn algorithm loves like rich to rags kind of stories mm-hmm. or like uh, big transformations. Those mm-hmm. generally get the most posts. But mm-hmm. don't try to work the algorithm. Instead, just share your journey. Just share. So I, what I like you, but you, what I like what I liked about what you just said is uh, you were one uh, very vulnerable on you know showcasing your process of looking for a job. And number two, I guess. The fact that you were doing that also showed a lot of authenticity of like who you are because mm-hmm. uh, you weren't just posting the most polished version of yourself. You were posting, obviously, you're posting your work, your ethic, and like how you went through the process. And I think in LinkedIn, and I've noticed this more and more, people are becoming a lot more vulnerable. Uh, they're not just mm-hmm. posting the most polished aspect of themselves. And maybe it's the fact that like, the pandemic has brought everyone to the platform and people are like having 
more interactions with the platform, more and more, I guess, more and more different types of interactions with the platform are, are being seen. And I guess this, this is something I want to highlight in, in terms of authenticity. I find that authenticity sometimes can be very hard to bring across a digital platform versus in person when you're interacting with them. Uh, what tips do you have for people who want to showcase their authenticity a bit more and, and how can they go about for that? Yeah, for sure. Um, it can be hard to be authentic on social media. Mm -hmm. I remember when I made the first post that, hey, guys, I'm going to document my job on the internet. Mm -hmm. like, my ego was like, oh, <laughs> do it. And like, oh, it's bad. And I was like, what, what are my parents going to think? Like, everyone's going to know I'm a, a jobless loser. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shut up. And I just, I literally forced myself to post it. And I just, I think I screamed in my pillow or something after that. Uh, but for, I, I, first of all, I think being authentic on social media can be really hard. Um, what I've noticed with being myself, at least on social media in general, like I, I'm pretty like open with my life and everything is that uh, after the first couple of posts, people start to appreciate you or appreciate me. And because of that, I, I start to feel like, oh, OK, cool. I can actually be myself. And it's kind of um, a reassurance of some sort that, hey, it's okay to be uh, authentic. Again, if you're trying to be authentic, for example, I don't know, maybe you lost a job and you just want to share what, how you feel about that. Uh, you know, it can be small steps. It doesn't always need to be like, uh, today I shall do a little. It can be like, you know, today I got a bad call from my mom and she told me that she was struggling with this. And I, you know, like it doesn't have to be that big. Um, but one thing I realized is the more authentic I am on social media, the more freeing it feels and I feel way less stress posting about myself than if I were to worry about what other people uh, would think. So I guess, I if, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say like, um, I've struggled with like trying to like be a bit more authentic in social media, like from like for a while now. And I'm much better at now as I get older and much more mature, much more confident in my, who I am and myself. It feels like, you know, sometimes there's like your real self is here one dimension and like your i guess the social media aspect itself is another dimension and like the the goal is ideally for me is to get that as close as possible so i feel like i'm, I'm less of an imposter or less of like um someone who's just like you know boosting my ego or something and not and then not feeling like as well like if someone actually attacks me or like you know calls me out i won't feel as hurt because i know that this is who i am yeah I, I totally yeah. get what you're saying um i've, I've read i was listening to a lot of podcasts and i keep hearing like uh i was listening to one podcast and it's like big ceo and he's like you guys have no idea i don't know what the hell i'm doing and every day i feel imposter and i'm like what but you're like the guy you're like the yeah. billionaire ceo guy and he's like yeah like i i don't know what i'm doing and every day i'm trying to hide it and i'm like mm. like i realized one thing is that uh, imposter syndrome never mm -hmm. goes away. I had this whole thing in my head previously where like, you know, by the time you're a certain age, you'll figure out adulting mm -hmm. and you will stop like feeling yeah. like an imposter. Right. But I went to like a friend's party and he was like mm -hmm. well into his like late forties and his couple kids. Mm -hmm. And I remember this one time at the party where, um, his wife was looking at his kids and she took a big sigh, like, <sighs> and then she, she looked at her husband, who's my friend. And he, she's like, Hey, I think we might have finally figured out adulting. And I'm just like, wait, you're like almost 50 and you didn't figure out? And it just blew my mind. And it was then yeah. I realized, 
this imposter syndrome stuff, it will never go away. Even exactly. if you're like a billion rich and famous and everything, we will still always have this guess, sense yeah. of imposter syndrome. You know, I think for most, I guess, roles or jobs or whatever it is, it's it's always about how well you can figure it out on the fly or on the job. And that's mm -hmm. probably what makes you excel as a person or excel as an employee or whatever position you're in is uh, how quick are you able to like figure out, okay, and, and, and tell yourself, okay, I don't know what's going on, but I know that I'm confident that I can figure out the next steps on my own. Or if I need help, I'll, I'll grab some some uh, some advice from some people that I need. Exactly. You don't yeah. have to like a... I think I've, I've read this quote recently and I forget what it said. It's perfect to this, what you just said right now, mm -hmm. but it's like, a the way you should assess someone's strength is how well they can like navigate uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And we're always going to be uncertain. So it's all about navigating uncertainty. I was like, that's so true. Oh my God. <laughs> I think on my LinkedIn bio, I actually have a quote on the very bottom of my like uh, blurb is like, my motto is like, uncertain like resilience through uncertainty or something of that. Yeah. I think uh, that actually, yeah. I think that was you. <laughs> it was me. It was you. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, going back to authenticity and job hunting, mm -hmm. reaching out to other people, how should you use LinkedIn? to reach out to people in X, Y, and Z company when you're looking for a job? Do you reach out to the hiring managers or do you reach out to someone in a specific team, maybe the director? How would you go about it in terms of reaching out to other people and also how do you show authenticity by reaching out? Yeah, for sure. I think the biggest mistakes job hunters make when they're reaching out to influential key players uh, who can possibly get them employed is uh, they ask for things. And, and my thing is always, don't ask for like a resume to be reviewed or a referral. Instead, ask for advice. Um, you know, there's something about when you ask someone for advice. For example, you know, if 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 your younger cousin who's about to start university came up to you and they're like, you know, Andrew, like I'm so stressed and overwhelmed with like university and I don't know how I, I'm going to be able to navigate it. Can I just borrow 15 minutes of your time to just ask you for some advice? Is that something you're comfortable with? I'm sure like you'd probably feel very like almost honored in a way right yeah so when it comes to jobs because we got to use the same formula essentially uh people like i as a recruiter when i work in recruiting i would get a ton of messages from people being like hey alif uh can you refer me to this can you give me a job here can you give look at my resume and like i'm gonna keep 100 but i was that was those pissed me off i was just like am i a freaking toy right now like you think I, i'm just gonna like and you know for their defense, they might not know what they're doing, but still receiving those messages, I was just, I just felt so used and like, it felt gross. But, uh, but I noticed a, a change though. There would be students that reach out to me and they're like, Hey, Alif, I love your content specifically this. And I really liked how you said this. Can I ask you some, a career advice over a 15 minute phone call? And I'd be like, yeah, you invested in me and I'm more than happy to give you a phone call. I can give you some advice rather than, uh, like, a referral or his his resume or something of that nature right so the key here when you're reaching out to whoever it may be when you're job hunting is ideally ask for advice the specific script i tell my students is reach out to uh whoever right but instead of saying can you give me a job or can you tell me about this company instead uh take the time to get to know them and then in the messaging say hey jack i noticed you work at this company as this and this is interesting about you 
can I ask you for some brief career advice over a 15-minute phone call? And I kid you not, my last three or four jobs, I've gotten it because of this. I asked for 15-minute phone calls for career advice, got on the phone call, they really liked me, and then I would get a referral. That's essentially the strategy um, that mm-hmm. I teach a lot of my students. Yeah, tra- so oh, I, I was just going to say, uh, first of all, like, you were in HR recruiting and, you know, HR professionals, they get bombarded by messages like all day, all night, uh, seven days a week. On top of that, they also get an overload in their systems of like resumes pouring in. And in order for a candidate to stand out, you have to give that personalized touch. And there's also what you just said about uh, asking for advice. It just reminds me of like another guest I had on the show where he recommended that. Um, identify that one person in whatever XYZ company you're looking for and kind of ask for their story. Be like, hey, I, I see you're in this position. Uh, I admire you and like I want to be you in like five to ten years. Do you mind getting a virtual coffee so I could like hear your story? And generally I find people love telling their story or talking about themselves and it's a good strategy to like kind of, you know, press on that lever to gain more connections i guess Uh, also once you have that foot in the door where you can actually have virtual coffee have a a chat with them you can actually get to know them a little bit more so whenever you do apply in that specific company you can come back to this guy or person and be like hey could you refer to me for this literally literally you nailed it in the head people love talking (laughs) about Uh, have you ever read, um, maybe you have read it, but uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People? Have you read that book? Or uh, I've read the book probably like five years ago uh, mm-hmm. when I was like in maybe six years ago, like in second year university over summer or something like that. I was like, I learned <laughs> a lot in that book, but uh, I don't remember many of the lessons. But I definitely should read it again. But uh, I definitely know that there's a lot of principles in that book yeah, about but, uh, um, how to yeah. like communicate communicate uh well essentially exactly uh one of the rules was a uh, a great conversationalist is someone who only speaks 20 percent of the time and yeah. asks questions 80 percent of the time and i'm like oh my god that's so true i love yeah. when people are genuinely curious about me and keep asking me questions i love talking my head off and mm-hmm. you know like that's the principle we got to use as job managers um and that's how we kind of convert phone calls to referrals is mm-hmm. by giving them a great experience whether it's on a virtual coffee like i said or a phone call or whatever mm-hmm. it is Mm-hmm. that is true uh like if people love talking about themselves and that's a good rule 20 80 20 percent you and the rest is asking questions for other people and i guess yeah you do notice it yourself too when someone's asking you questions you can talk a lot about like anything you want especially if it's open-ended or exactly. not just job searching even like on a date you can like you know you go on a date you can ask the other person question you know hopefully they'll like you back um but yeah i, I had like a one 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 time i had like a hiring manager told me that uh andrew um uh job hunting is like dating at the end of the day it's like you get to know them they get to know you if you guys like each other and it works out you get the job if you don't you just go on to the next one yeah yo, yo I, I can't tell you that a lot of times i've heard that analogy like as soon as you said job is like dating i'm like okay yeah <laughs> yeah Everyone at the career coach place would be like, Japanese is like dating, dating, dating. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. They'll put, you know, put your best foot forward, you know, dress well and stuff like that. Um, yeah, but yeah going, going back to uh, like reaching out, uh, you mentioned like obviously reaching out and asking for their story. 
Do you have any specific advice in terms of reaching out to recruiters? Because you were in this position of an, as an HR recruiter, and you were a trained professional in that uh, role versus someone who is, you know, working in a, another role in the company. What is your strategy in terms of actually reaching out to the HR recruiter and trying to get them to notice you since that's their job? And I find, like, obviously, the strategy for reaching out to HR recruiter could be a little bit different than the strategy of reaching out to someone in whatever department you want to get into. Yeah, for sure. So let me distinguish, like, what they actually do and then between hiring managers, recruiters, HR people, and people of the team. Uh, and then I'll tell you who's the best person to reach out to. So first, to start off, uh, let's say, let's talk about the HR person. Are they a good person to reach out to? Generally, the HR person is going to you know, be in charge of the documents, the offer letters, and the onboarding process, they themselves won't know too much about the role because they're not in the actual department themselves. So they might not be the best person to reach out to. Now, recruiters are a little interesting. Basically, how recruiters work is that the hiring manager goes to the recruiter, whether it's an agency or an in-house recruiter, don't worry about that, but the recruiter will listen to the hiring manager and be like, okay, what do you want in a hire? They will say and the recruiter's job is to literally find that person so would you reach out should you reach out to recruiters the thing with recruiters is they're going through like a ton of resumes every day um and they'll only this sounds bad but they'll only care about you if you are qualified for the role because they're only looking for qualified people so that they can fill the role as, as soon as possible so if you are highly qualified for the role then you might want to reach out to the recruiter. But if you're not highly qualified for the role and you feel iffy, iffy, they're actually not the best person to reach out to. So that's for hiring, that's for our HR person and recruiter. Now, the hiring manager is a little interesting because they know what it's like to work in the department. They manage the team. They work in that culture. They are doing the literal hiring. And the thing with hiring managers you got to understand is that even if you're not the most competent person for the role, if you are able to get the hiring manager to like you, then they will, they have the authority to put you into the role. But like, for example, if a recruiter liked you, but they didn't see you're qualified, they wouldn't do the same. So uh, out of all those people that we mentioned, I would recommend hiring managers are generally going to be, be the best person to reach out to. But, but a lot of hiring managers are hard to get in touch with because they're much busy or a lot of people generally reach out to them, right? So what's that? option the second best option is reaching out to someone in the actual team because a lot of companies out there um they'll have referral bonuses for people being referred into a role i remember in my last company they were like hey we'll give you a thousand dollar or something crazy if if you get someone to be hired in our company and stay for a year so it's actually in their benefit to refer someone that the only thing becomes is that uh, you gotta you know when you're on the phone you gotta show that you're qualified and you gotta make them you and everything uh so you know the people you should reach out to ideally would be the hiring manager or the member of the team okay the really qualified and that's some a very good insight uh just actually trying to distinguishing the other um the roles in different companies and i guess it's it's also different when you're applying and wanting to get a role in um, a smaller company versus a larger company I find in general, smaller companies is much easier to like connect with that one person or connect with the, the right person versus like a huge corporation like KPMG, Deloitte, or you know Air Canada. It there's a different strategies in, in approaching larger versus smaller companies. Do you have any advice on on the, on the, the two? 
Yeah. So, know, yeah. Yeah. Um, so big companies like the Deloitte's and the KPMG's and like the corporate Walmart's of the world, uh, there's a lot of bureaucracy and everything. And there's a lot of process based things kind of sort of going on. So, you know, um, the strategy would be the same generally if you're reaching out to people, ideally reach out to like anyone of the team, ask for a quick phone call, get to ask for some career advice, all that stuff. It would generally be the same. But what's interesting I've noticed is with smaller companies, they're more malleable. For example, Role that I'm in right now doesn't technically have a clear job description. They just need someone to come in and fix some problems and just do marketing and just do do marketing. And with that, you have some strategies that you can implement. For example, um, let's say I'm trying to get my current marketing role right now. What I might want to do as a job seeker to really stand out is, you know, maybe I want to sign up to their email list and see what kind of emails they send out. And then what I might want to do is message the hiring manager after I've gotten on a phone call with them and be like, hey, by the way, Here's a email template I created just for you. I think it'll actually help your email marketing out so much better. Feel free to use it and take it for yourself. Or maybe look at the social media and I diagnose exactly what they can do better. Oh, by the way, here's a free like a report I sort of made on my own. Uh, don't worry, I'm not charging you for this. Just take it for free. I think it'll help you and your company out. And from that, the hiring manager will be like, whoa, like, you know this stuff? Like, oh my God, we have all these problems and you literally can solve it and then they'll consider you more for a role. Whereas, you know, like, if you're doing that for KPMG, it might be yeah. a lot, this might be like a lot of bureaucracy. To kind of That's go true. Through. That's true. It's, it's harder to, uh, it's hard to show, like, how much you can add value in a larger corporation versus a, a smaller corporation because, like, in a small corporation, small company, like 20 or less, you know, there's always work to do. There's always things that are, need to be done like if people exactly. only followed, I would say their job descriptions, there's like 50% of the work that still needs to do. You always have to go above and beyond um, your job description in order to stand out and you know contribute value to whatever company you're in. So let's quickly touch into um, a job seeker who is uh, a little bit older, someone who has you know 10, maybe 20 years of experience. Uh, they're out of a job right now during the pandemic. How can they look for a job? Because I'm sure their strategies must be a little bit different versus someone who's a recent grad or you know doesn't have that much experience on our belt. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it would be generally the same, but I would add something else too. Uh, yeah. And what I would add is uh, what I would do if I were literally them and tell my students to do this, but make an Excel sheet uh, and in different tabs, open LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, whatever social media platform that you're on. And then, you know, Go through each of your social media friends list and then write down in the Excel sheet uh, a list of people who you think have a potential in helping you land a role, whether they're, I don't know, they're the CEO of a company or their manager here or like they did they spoke at a conference here or whatever it is and literally go through all your social media platforms and write down that Excel sheet, like fill it up. And what you want to do afterwards is send them just a quick message being like, Hey, Andrew, uh, I've listened to your podcast recently. You do some great stuff. Uh, by the way, um, I'm just looking in the, in the hunt for a product manager role. I just want to know if you happen to know anyone who possibly hiring. And the great thing is like, if you have 10 years through, you probably have a, like a network built at that point. So you can just pretty much, you know, blast these messages away. And through that, you'll be more likely to, uh, land a role. Uh, what I recommend in the messaging though, I would say, you know, do you happen to know anyone whom you can connect me with to so mm -hmm. I can learn more about this? Instead of mm -hmm. saying, you know about a job? No, okay, bye. You know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, I yeah. Add that step is a big thing for them. Mm -hmm. I, I've always, uh, I've, I've talked to some older professionals and I've had a, a guest on the show earlier 
and he was an older professional. And for him, yes, you have a bigger network. Uh, you have more experience to leverage your story. What he does is um, for whatever role he's interested in or say as a person he wants to connect, um, he has like in the, his back pocket, um, he looks for like the seven key traits that he really thinks that he's, he excels on. And he formulates seven key stories uh, where he's a star that you know showcases that specific trait. For example, say like you are leading uh, a program at uh, this organization and you successfully contributed or you, know, you grew this program X, Y, and Z. Uh, tailor and craft a story around your role and how you did it uh, to make you sound like the superstar in that story. And in that way, like I think goes back to the beginning in terms of like, it's so important to work on your storytelling abilities. And when you're job seeking or job hunting and you're in the interview phase, you're selling yourself and you're also selling your story to exactly. people. And I think older professionals, if you've been in the workforce for so long and you're not in the job seeking mode, maybe that's something you should focus on is like honing these uh, specific stories of your who you are so you can share case that story. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. No, I totally feel you. And um, I'd also like give it like one thing I noticed, and I'm definitely not, I'm, I'm only 25 right now, but uh, like I noticed with a lot of my older friends, like in their like late 30s, early 40s, um, and I see my parents too, like there's a comfort in the role. So they kind of just like, ah, okay, I have a job, cool, and I'm just relaxed, I'm done, I'm settled, right? But the way I see it is like any second you can get fired, like you can never. Not true like rely on a role so you should always be you know looking to outgrow your role always be building a network and then you know creating a personal brand outside of work through your content on linkedin or whatever it is just so you have that cushion so that you don't always mm -hmm. have to rely on your job to sort of be there you know what i mean i think i think that aspect and that mindset is relatively new in many ways especially with the onset of like you know social media LinkedIn, how professional networking has become a more social media-esque uh, uh, presence. And the fact that now for like millennials and even Gen Z, uh, people like to hop around roles much easier. You're in the, you're here for two years in this company, then you want to hop on another role in this, uh, in this another company. It's much more commonplace to do that these days versus say 20, 30 years ago where people join X company and you're pretty much there for like 30 years until you retired and, you know, uh, climbing the corporate ladder. So I think the strategy and that mindset is, is relatively new, but it, I think it's now taking over the traditional mindset of staying in one company and kind of growing in there. Like in order to grow faster, maybe it's better to hop laterally across say companies or industries. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. hundred percent. And, um, you know, like I've been fired a number of times out of nowhere, just out of the, out of the blue yeah. and everything and going through the experience. Uh, I, this sounds a little bitter, but I started realizing, you know, companies don't care about you. Like they're not yeah. going to reach out to you after they fire you and be like, are you okay? Like, yeah. it doesn't mean yeah. have to you, let go and then we'll move on. Right. We live and, in a, yeah. Go. I was going to say, we live in a capitalistic society and Canada is very capitalistic. Uh, believe it or not. Uh, and you are very replaceable at any moment. 100%. It's so easy. So exactly. like, I, I always like tell people, um, 
if you are in a role and you find yourself in a better opportunity, take the opportunity because in two weeks they'll replace you and like business will go as usual. Exactly. You know, it's like a it's like a wilderness out here and there's wolves everywhere and you you honestly have to watch your own back. So when I hear things like for example, my, my dad gave me advice on careers, he's like, just find a company and they'll take care of you. You'll be fine there, just grow there. And I'm like, are you kidding me? If I grow like I stayed there for nine years and I was like all attached to the job and I don't know where they just lay off, lay off, lay off. I'll be shocked. I'll be like, what yeah. the hell? How do I change things and what's going on? Right. In and order, I would say, oh, I was going to say, in order to really preserve, I say, your position in that company, you have to go above and beyond whatever your job description is. Like, you have to be, uh, I, I read a book, uh, I guess, like a couple of years ago. It's called Lynchpin by Seth Godin. Uh, I, I really recommend it. And, like, in his book, he talks about, like, the star players in today's economy is literally people who um, go above and beyond and those who are so difficult to replace that uh, you're pretty much indispensable. You, 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 no, one, no one can replace you because you offer a unique set of skills uh, that someone who just traditionally just follows uh, would say, like your job description. For example, if you are in marketing and you have a specific role in marketing, um and you just follow you know what you've been told and stuff like that versus a linchpin who you know does his role however he's always looking for opportunities to add value there or here or maybe you realize in your marketing role oh our company's social media presence is a bit low how can we improve that or how can i improve traffic into the company if no one's focusing on content marketing for example mm, exactly. so that's the idea of like being a linchpin is your way to preserve yourself in whatever company you're in and also gives you better advantages in terms of actually looking for a new role. Exactly. And and I think, yeah, like you, you literally knocked it off the park. And, and I might even get that book now that you're saying it's Yeah, you should definitely read it, yeah. yeah. Should I get it, yeah? Okay. You should. <laughs> it's like the godfather of marketing and just like thinking in general and it's yeah. quite great. So, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think the best way to watch your own back and have your own back is to like literally like outgrow your role. Like you got to make yourself in indispensable by having the skill sets that is basically like hard to replace essentially. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah I agree with you, man. Like it's huge. Yeah. And I guess now like going back to the job hunt, uh, for someone who is a uh, pandemic job hunting, and we talked about like um, optimizing your LinkedIn. We talked about like how, who to reach out in terms of like the company um one advice that i've heard on this podcast and from people i talk to is this idea of really high effort uh really targeted um job applications versus like shoot across the board resume applications and because a lot of people argue that when you submit a resume most likely your resume is not going to be seen because like half the resume is going to be uh, cut by the ATS system and in general, especially now in this pandemic, uh, all these resume, I guess, aggregators are so clogged up with like the amount of, uh, the amount of applications. For example, one job I see on LinkedIn, it's, it goes up and 24 hours later is like 500 applications for that yeah, one. It's crazy. Like, how is that, that a recruiter going to go through every single one? You're probably going to have like five seconds of eye time. So you have to... 100%. 
think outside the box, high quality, but really focused um, on job applications by going the other route. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And you're totally right. And the way I describe it is like this. Imagine you went to a bar and you met two people, John and Bob. John yeah. comes up to you and John's like, I need a job. Can you help me? And you ask them, well, what kind of job you want? Oh, anything. Let me give you just job anything. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I still don't know how to help you. Like, what do you want? Who should I yeah. Right. It's hard to help someone who doesn't know what they want. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, Bob or whatever, Bob in this case, he's like, well, actually, I really want to work in a software company who's specifically focused in the environmental space. And I want to be a developer. Do you happen to know of anyone hiring? And you can be like, no, I don't know anyone, but I have a friend who works in someone who I can connect you with. But I know this, but I know this. And because they're so specific, it's easier to help them during a network or like an introduction or whatever it is. You know what I mean? So it's absolutely huge. I remember I had a friend reach out to me and they're like, yo, you have connections, man. And so why are you talking It's so weird. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I guess I have connections. What do you want? Yeah, I just want a job, man. I just want a job. And I'm like, okay, like, what do you want? And we literally went back and forth for 30 minutes. I'm trying to figure out what he wanted. He's like, no, just give me a job. And I'm like, Okay, dude, like Walmart's hiring for like a cashier. Like, I see it right there. You want this? They're like, no, no, what are you kidding? Yeah. They freaking tell me. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, being specific is better than spraying and praying. Being, exactly. And, I, and another advice I also heard uh, on the podcast as well is uh, if you're looking into a specific role, say you're a data scientist or a data analyst in, in my case, um, there's tons of other data analysts and data scientists also looking for a job right now. You got to think about how can you stand out amongst your peers when applying for that specific job? For example, I think as much this is very easy and true for roles that require a portfolio like UX design, web dev, even true for data scientists. Um, but for example, if you're a data analyst, and you're applying for like X role and X company, and maybe you don't have that much experience under your belt. One way to showcase your experience while you're job hunting is you are still actively working on the skills. For example, you go to a restaurant and ask for their data, and you can like give back like some sort of um, let's say dashboard to showcase all oh, the various like items or like various menu items that are more purchased together or give some actual insights by really volunteering your skills in your community, not just, you know, applying and, and throwing you know, your application out there. Like what have you been doing actively in your spare time during your job hunt that showcases that you are still refining your skills? Do you exactly. think that is very essential now in the pandemic more so than ever? And like you advise that to your students? Exactly. Um, I would even take a step further. So instead of just binge, like everyone I feel like knows, like you, just, you should always be learning. So you're up. But I feel like people take that as like a, I'll take a Udemy course and then I'll just forget about it. Yeah. I'll take a course on YouTube and take forget about it. Uh, the biggest thing I, I want to urge is don't just binge a course and do nothing. But instead, actually apply it. So instead of going like ahrefs or something and learning social media marketing and then forgetting about it uh i want to create your own blog like social media following on instagram or in or on tiktok and everything and literally like share like what you've learned from managing social media platforms i think uh real learning happens i forget the actual steps but you know not it's not just knowing but applying and i think that 
find piece is so important. You know, I know LinkedIn learning is releasing a lot of courses. So, you know, instead of just learning, uh, like, I don't know, how effective communication skills, why don't you, like, you know, actually go somewhere and try to talk to someone applying mm -hmm. it write a LinkedIn article about it and, and share your findings, you know? So I think applying yeah. is huge. It's, I mean, it's definitely a uh, harder than it sounds like it does take a lot of effort to really apply those skills and really try to make something out of whatever you're trying to make. For example, in data science, that could be going through an interesting data set and like getting some interesting insights that no one has ever got. That takes a lot of time and effort. However, going through that process mm -hmm. when you're in the interview stage with a recruiter, you can showcase that process and like, hey, I did this and this and that. I struggled in this, but I know the process in uh, really finding insights in like a complicated, messy data, site, uh, data set. And what's better is like, if you actually grab those insights and putting it in a nice like formatic way on LinkedIn or you know, on, on a website you created where you showcase those insights. So these are different strategies to really kind of stand out amongst your peers who just say they've done the basics of like, oh, I did this SQL course on Udemy, like you said. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, like another example is like when I was job hunting before this current role, I needed Photoshop. I just sort of knew, but I didn't really, like I didn't need to know it. It wasn't like that, but I started like doing Photoshop, making cool graphics and everything. And then like, as soon as I came into this role, I started realizing Hey, do you know Photoshop? And I'm like, yeah. Like, can you put graphic <laughs> here? And I'm like, oh, thank God I learned this. And yeah. I, I'm now like adaptable at making graphics and everything because mm -hmm. I had time to learn it. Even though when I was learning, I was like, and eh, do I really need this? And it's nice mm -hmm. to have, right? It, but to going out of the way and actually learning is is, is huge. Like I said, by the way, I don't know. Uh, I'm I feel like I'm we're very different people. You and me, like uh, SQL and stuff. Like I looked at that and I'm like. I hate this. I like the numbers and it's too organized and analytical. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a different, uh, different field for sure. Um, yeah. I got into data science, like, I guess a year and a half ago. So not that long ago. And like, even I started without knowing nothing on like what this is, but uh, I, I slowly dived myself into it. And I had like probably five different imposter syndrome roadblocks along the way. But every time I go through those roadblocks and, persevered i uh, understood it a lot more and and became more confident in these uh different technologies uh but definitely takes a lot of time and also definitely takes a lot of patience on yourself in terms of like i'm learning this and it takes time and also you can't rush learning you have to like take time to learn you know i can i don't think i can, I can ever learn that kind of stuff it just i remember a friend showed me all the video <laughs> stuff i was like stop put that away right now like it actually like stressed me out so i, I think it's a brain analytical thing because i'm more of like a just go with the flow and just all mm -hmm. over the energy and everything right but i feel like maybe for you you're more like a like a introverted kind of like analytical thinking kind of person you know yeah maybe maybe it's a personality thing um i personally believe that when it comes to learning anyone can pick up anything up uh yeah. it's, just, it's just your will to uh really sit down and like learn it because i'm sure like whatever marking uh, skills like you have and, and I don't have, but if I take say three months out of my time to really sit down and kind of learn the basics, well, I think once you get the fundamentals of many things, a lot of things come pretty intuitively. You know what I'm saying? Once you get the fundamentals, right. Yeah. But anyways, thank you for taking your time on the show. I really appreciate uh, your insights. However, I always give 30 minutes, uh, 30 seconds to a minute 
uh, towards the end of the show where I give uh, the floor to you in terms of for you to talk about anything you want. So the floor is yours. Oh God, I feel like so stressed right now. I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what I was saying. You know, you told me. Uh, but anyways, um, hey guys, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, feel free to let me know if you have any questions about careers, professional development, job hunting, whatever. You might be stuck in a job. Mm-hmm. I have a email course right now on my LinkedIn platform. I share to anyone who needs help with their job hunting. Uh, it's super helpful. Uh, a lot of great reviews is free. Like just, just take it. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's all I got to say. I don't know. I do dance on the spare time. So if you dance, let me know. Nice. All right. Thank you. This is the end of the show. Thank you for tuning into the Pandemic Job Hunt podcast. As always, I would love to get feedback. So don't hesitate to get in touch through my Twitter at Andrew H.N. Berry or LinkedIn.